everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, the sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We've had a little bit of a layoff, and so have the Hokies. Uh, we'll explain why we didn't have a podcast last week, but I think most people can probably figure that out on their own. Mike, how's your break been? <laughs> uh, eventful. We uh, moved across the country, uh, got the family from the Chicago area, so we took advantage, uh, just like the uh, Hokies supposedly did, of the extra time off. I hope you got some pizza while you're up there. Do have, I mean, do we didn't even have pizza? time. Uh, you know, I like Giordano's. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was just sort of. Uh, a, I did it. I got a, a couple hot dogs from Portillo's, which is uh, a f- kind of a popular spot. Um, but uh, that was about it, and then got on the road. Okay. Well, the place you just mentioned, I think, is the one we ate. The pizza place is the one we ate at when we were there for the basketball tournament. Okay, that ago. makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I give that a enthusiastic thumbs up. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, concerns about the layoff. Are there any? Um, the cancellation, just, you know, are we surprised that, that, that they're not going to try to reschedule the game or, or find a spot for that game or a different game? Um, the Old Dominion game, we'll, we'll talk about the trip that the Hokies will be making to Norfolk and also uh, predict that game. And we'll also do our pick three, as we always do at the end. Mike, you were, I guess, at the press conference. I did not go to the press conference on Tuesday, on last Tuesday, last mm-hmm. Monday, whenever it was. But it was like during the press conference, I guess, that yeah, ECU they, bailed, right? Yeah, ECU informed uh, Virginia Tech that they weren't going to be traveling to the game. Uh, just as kind of the players were done at the podium, uh, a team was getting ready to practice, actually. Uh, it was about to have a special teams meeting, um, and everything kind of, uh, changed. Um, the coaches had to make a, a bunch of changes to kind of the practice because obviously um, they weren't going to be practicing for East Carolina anymore. So um, they got, well, they used those practices. They got an extra day off over the weekend to kind of focus on the younger players. A lot of the guys, uh, they said special teams work for some of the um, first year players that they're using on those uh, kick return and uh, kick uh, coverage units uh, to kind of correct a lot of the stuff and kind of uh, really focus on self-improvement. They didn't kind of sneak any prep in for teams down the line, really used it to kind of um, uh, just kind of look at the first two weeks and, and, and kind of build from there. Well, you know, when they, when they the, the weather reports for Florence were dire. I yeah. mean, it was a really scary thing. I was down in Cherokee, where, and of course that's in North Carolina, but it's it's you know not on the coast, it's out in the mountains. But that was all the talk, everyone down there, I'm sure, was all the talk up here. And it's, you know, I can completely understand why East Carolina wanted to make a decision as quickly as possible. But there was a little bit of controversy about the timing. Uh, I know Whit Babcock said in his release that, uh, hey, we wanted to wait until Wednesday. Uh, how angry or how, how frustrated is Virginia Tech by the way this whole thing went down? And what, you know, what are you hearing about? Uh, the- I, I think they were a little cough guard, caught off guard by the timing, uh, and especially that you know usually the home team makes those decisions, um, and they kind of had agreed the day before to, to wait until midweek. East Carolina, obviously the, the, the forecasts, like you mentioned, were not, not good uh, for Greenville where the campus is in North Carolina. So, you know, they had a sense of urgency and decided to act. I think the thing that was a 
little frustration was that East Carolina put out a statement the following day after it got canceled citing um, hotel availability is one of the reasons they were kind of moving the team to Orlando. Uh, but I've been told uh, Virginia Tech made every effort to accommodate them if they wanted to come here early to Blacksburg and practice. And um, those things were, you know, going to be set for East Carolina. So they didn't, you know, there was some just frustration over like, you know, it wasn't an issue of them not having uh, rooms available for an extra day or two if they wanted to stay to get away from the hurricane because um, East Carolina went to Orlando um, for the basically a week and a half to try to stay there and practice uh, for their next game. Um, you know, I, I don't think any hard f- ill feelings are going to stay because these teams have a long-term contract to play through 2024. I think there's six games left. So, I mean, you just kind of move on. But um, obviously a big layoff here and sort of a weird schedule. Uh, Justin Fuentes talked about this, that they had the compressed week after Florida State where they only had, what, three days to get ready uh, for William and Mary. And now you have a, basically two weeks in between games, You're bu- another off week, uh, after only two playing two games, which is kind of a, a different um, sort of a, a whiplash. And he's kind of admitted the the problem is, is they haven't been able to kind of get in a rhythm yet, uh, which is what all football coaches and players kind of like once you get in the season. You have that, you know, you have that structure and you have that rhythm. Do you think that's going to bother them at all? Just sort of uh, I, I would think that if anything, the first quarter, you, you might see a little sort of. Um, maybe be a little sluggish just because the off time, but I- I'm not sure what to expect. It's just kind of been a weird month for them. Yeah, it has. You're right. The regiment regimentation is what those guys want and right. need, and and it's you know they they go to great lengths to talk about even when they play like a Thursday game. Well, this is actually our our Sunday right. instead of our Monday, and all those things. Um, so I'm sure they're very much looking forward to a regular schedule actually coming to pass. I don't think this is going to be an issue this week. I mean, you know, they're, they're so much superior to, to Old Dominion, and we'll get to predictions and a breakdown of the game in a bit. But I, I don't think it's going to be a scenario where they're going to, you know, uh, even if they are sluggish, it's not going to, it's not going to be noticeable. That's my mm. guess. Um, now, of course, we've seen them show up and, and be sluggish in, in games they were supposed to win handily, and that would be an excuse if they wanted to use it, that they have not had any kind of rhythm at all. What is the – before we move on, I mean, what is the financial impact of losing this game? Uh, it's basically – it's kind of a wash because Virginia Tech would have had to pay out $250,000 for – the home team pays the visiting team as part of the contract – uh, I've been told the ticket situation, you know, one game, one losing one home game, and it wasn't a sellout yet, um, isn't sort of um, going to be impact their financial bottom line at the end of the year. They could seek a penalty for breach of contract, but those discussions, there's no real urgency. Um, you know, that could get rolled over. They could extend the contract. There's a lot of ways because this isn't just a one-term, one-time deal where there's, you know, uh, some concern about that. Um, they're these these teams have a long term relationship, and they're going to have to just kind of work on, work around it. This week they haven't had any of those discussions. They might not have them for a while because there's also a possibility, and this kind of gets to our next topic. Um, you know they're not closing the door completely on this game. I mean they still have uh, the possibility of rescheduling it. And I talked about this in the last story I wrote about it. Florida State last year waited over a month to reschedule a game. Again, I think it was against Louisiana Monroe right. um, when it when it looked like they needed it for bowl eligibility because the only other time they could ha- the, the the bye weeks don't line up, but the conference championship weekend would be a weekend if 
Virginia Tech wasn't playing and they wanted to win uh, or East Carolina wasn't playing and, you know, they were looking for it. In theory, that date would work if they didn't have the championship game. So it could be a while before a final, final decision is made. Uh, this is just a guess, but I'm guessing they've already had discussions that that would be a date that they would do it if either team needed it. Because, right, right. Because you don't want to come out and say, well, we're working on that because we don't plan to be in that championship right. game. Obviously, that takes away the biggest carrot that all these guys are playing for right now, uh, which is they want to win the Coastal Division. They want to be in that ACC title game. But if there were a scenario where they needed a victory to have a winning season or even to just finish 500 and make a bowl, I don't I don't see that happening with their schedule, the way it's laid out and everything. But uh, I, I can definitely see them playing a game that week. Yeah, you don't really think with the way Virginia Tech – has played and what their schedule is they'll need it for bowl eligibility unless like the world falls apart for them right. but would they need it so if they don't make the championship game by like a game and they were at like nine wins or something and miami's undefeated so they're but they miami you know has undefeated and virginia tech has lost they don't go to the championship game what if they wanted 10 wins they want to get to that 10 win mark would that make a difference for like the playoff community or the bowl selection you know you just don't know and how much of an urgency would it even met like does uh, Fuente say well we'd rather just have an extra week you know it's like I don't know um, how that will all shake out I mean it really makes a difference of you know look if Virginia Tech runs the table here and goes to the conference championship that discussion never happens again they don't revisit the issue it gets tricky when if they were to fall out but they're still a good team does it help their resume you know, I just don't think it's going to be a situation like Florida State where it's a dire need to – you need six wins or right. you need a winning record. But I could see them saying, going back and forth, uh, man, would it help our resume to have like a 10th win or something? You know, how do, how would that be weighed? Um, but those – you know, it's like you, you say it, it's going to wait. It's going to have to wait, and they're going to have to keep that door open. I think we should talk about Florida State. It's not on my sheet here, but <laughs> well, I, I on Saturday, you know, I, I you yeah, you're I didn't go to Nashville, on the couch. So yeah, I watched I watched all the games, and I have to say, it's kind of interesting. By the end of it, I felt it was kind of tedious, honestly. Yeah. You know, the, the after the after the four thirty game, which was the Virginia game, I was just ready for it to kind of be over with. And I used that used to be all I did was sit in front of the TV yeah. and watch games on Saturdays before I got into this business, but. Uh, I guess now it's like I, I just kind of need to be somewhere. But Florida State, that was the game I watched the most intently other than the Virginia game. They were awful. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, did you see any of that game? I did not. I mean, I kind of followed along a little bit, um, <laughs> and it was not good. <laughs> no, Francois was terrible. They got flagged a ton of times. To give Babers some credit because that offense rolled up and down the field. There was plenty of room in that secondary to just exploit those guys. They couldn't run the ball again, which – I think is the most alarming thing given that Taggart's history. I think that's surprising, yeah. And they had a 1,000-yard back that showed really a lot of potential and two guys, really another veteran too, that was almost a 1,000-yard rusher last year, and they haven't been able to kind of do anything consistently. Right, and and I guess the, how it relates to the Hokies is that we gave the Hokies a ton of credit for stuff in that run game, but maybe there isn't a run. Maybe that offensive line is so bad. Uh, this year that it's it, it won't be a very good running game at all and and it, maybe we need more answers with these linebackers at Virginia Tech well some stats Florida State's averaging 15 points a game <laughs> on 3.3 yards a carry right now uh, not good not good numbers not pretty numbers um, you know and you, the thing the problem is you looked at that as sort of a a, a resume win at the end of the year like when you're talking if this team's in playoff contention you know you beat florida state at florida state that's an that's a notch on your belt 
as they sort of the losses wreck up and they look less and less impressive, that game that game does less and less for you. Still a conference win, still handled business on the road, but it doesn't look like that's going to be sort of a win where you say, man, look at this. This is one we, we sort of puts us ahead of other teams we're competing against. Oh, that's a really good point. And there aren't a whole lot of other opportunities to do that for Virginia Tech. You know, yeah. as we've talked about ad nauseum, there's just not a whole lot of marquee games. on. And it makes schedule. the margin of error, if they were to lose a game that they should have won, harder to make up for because Florida State – uh, unless they sort of run the table and find some magic here, is going to be, you know, an average team probably at best at this point. I mean, they've only scored ten points in two conference games, uh, one touchdown. So, um, and they struggled. That Sanford game wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they could have easily lost. They could be easily zero and three right now. Um, so, yeah, not good for Virginia Tech in the sense that uh, that that win looks a little less uh, stellar. And they've only played two games, so so you can't say they're three and zero. Well, and another thing I gleaned from that day on the couch, I watched the entire Duke game as well, and they, mm-hmm. they looked really good. And um, you know, people keep asking me, like I was asked on the radio yesterday, will we not know anything about these Hokies for real until Notre Dame? And I'm thinking, yeah. no, I think this Duke trip is going to be very interesting in another week here. And they've already announced the game time for that seven o'clock. Um, and it's uh, the, the the network's still in the air. It's going to be either ESPN two or ESPN U, yeah, right? Yeah. So, but you know, the, just that they put that in prime time is a is another indicator that it could be a, a good. Yeah, game. and Duke's dealing with what? Like they got like ten starters hurt or, or, or uh, out, and uh, they've been kind of bouncing back from injuries uh, and handling things pretty well. So uh, adversity, and they'll be at home for that one. So that's always a, a positive for them um, to have that. Uh, you know, I heard. Uh, Justin Fuente, a team you've been talking about, I don't know if you watched any of that, Boston College, he mentioned them on Tech Talk on yeah. Monday saying that they, they caught his eye on Saturday. The, the little, you know, he watched a little bit of college football and that they, uh, they've they been impressive too. So those two games kind of, uh, you know, Notre Dame kind of sandwiched in the middle. Um, but those are ones to watch now as you kind of <laughs> – the, the schedule got smaller, a little smaller for Virginia Tech uh it's just it's kind of a weird situation they're in yeah i wanted to mention if you're thinking about out there you're thinking about tickets or anything from that ecu game uh, mike had a really good story over the weekend uh talking to the administrators about sort of what they're dealing with with on those ends so make sure you check that out if you haven't already and no information's been added to that the ticket situation is kind of tied to that reschedule yeah where you know they don't want to say here's a refund and then reschedule the game and then fans be upset that they didn't get to go because <laughs> they already got the refund. Right. So basically they're going to wait, I think, a little while to figure out that. I know I've gotten a lot of emails about fans. Uh, Virginia Tech has not forgotten about it. They're still working through it because they've like, look, if they reschedule the games, tickets will still be, uh, I would think, most likely honored or I don't know how that exactly works, but that's kind of they want to present all the options incorrectly. So that hasn't been added to. So that story still is really current and far as far as information we have yeah uh, i can safely assume your money is not just going to disappear it's not going to disappear yeah that's right that's Uh, for sure but there may be a little hassle down the road as they deal with you gotta might might have to make an email or a phone call that's true all right let's move on to old dominion and this is a trip that i'm sure people in the 757 are just embracing as 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 much as they possibly could because this is why tech is doing it why they started this whole thing is to get an opportunity to have their fans uh, not have to travel across the state to actually watch them play. What do you think, uh, you know, I don't know, recruiting and other things. I mean, is there, are there advantages here for Virginia Tech to go and play in this game over say going to Greenville, 
North Carolina? I, I think teams that are sort of like the state school, like Virginia Tech and uh, Virginia, and when I was covering Auburn, uh, Auburn and Alabama, they like playing all the teams in the state. You like to have those relationships. You like to be able to say, you know, show recruits and show families that you're willing to travel anywhere in Virginia. And, you know, once in a while you'll get to play in front of your, your, your family and things like that. Um, you know, does it impact recruiting? I, it, Justin Fuente said not all that much, um, but in the sense that it just helps your sort of visibility throughout the state. Uh, visibility with fans, you know, shows your appreciation for, you know, look, Virginia Tech has fans from a, uh, every corner of the state coming to games, and you reward them by going to them a little bit. I mean, it showed ticket prices upwards of eighty, a hundred dollars for this game, um, and I don't get the sense that or Dominion's driving that demand. Uh, I think it's Virginia Tech fans, right? Uh, and so obviously, I think it shows. Um, with those prices, how much it means to the fan base that uh, they're getting to see him in a different venue, in a different place in the state. Um, I guess they used to play the Oyster Bowl out there yeah, um, every year. Every year. Yeah, and so uh, just different. I don't know if it's going to have an impact on the, for the football program. You know, some of the players will enjoy it, but uh, you know, if, they, if, they, if they were to lose for some reason, then I don't think you'd enjoy anything about the trip. But... Um, it's just sort of a visibility thing, I think, to get the you know get in front of every everywhere you can in Virginia. Well, I always enjoyed going to new places. However, our friends uh, on the in the Tidewater area have yeah. warned us that this press box has and I made a mistake in it and other things. You made uh, Tidewater <laughs> when uh, Ricky Water mentioned uh, get to smell some of that Tidewater air. I thought he was saying Tide Space Water, like the shore. <laughs> I've been informed that Tidewater is with a capital T, and that's the area. You're so learning. I, You're I, learning. I, I'm learning, uh, but I you know I think that makes sense. Tidewater, the shore air, you know, water air, you know, it smells different. Right. But right. it's actually the area, so <laughs> I apologize. But, yeah, I, as far as the matchup itself, you know, players and coaches are told not to overlook these teams. I'm not told that. I, I looked at the line. I saw Virginia Tech <laughs> you scratched by it already. 28, uh, favored by I guess the bigger – yeah, we're going to predict the game, but do the, the bigger prediction would be do they cover that. Well, that's, that, that's, that's all that. I think about. <laughs> uh, but, no, like, like I, was in the, I was in Lane Stadium last year when they won 35-0, right. and, and they – didn't look all that good doing it. I mean, it just. Yeah, it was. It was thir- I'm lo- I got the bo- the box score: 38, thirty-eight, and it was thirty-two first downs to seven uh, total yards. Virginia Tech five hundred eighty-two, uh, Old Dominion one forty-nine. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't very close, is what you're saying. I actually coming into last year's game, I actually thought maybe we'd see a game. The yeah. line was probably even higher than it than it is this year, but because it was in in Blacksburg, but. I kind of thought, well, maybe you know, just this first time they'll they'll show something, and and they didn't. What, uh, you know, what are the players and coaches saying about this game in terms of uh, potential problems? It's, with ODU? I don't think that they view. I mean, they, they they you know the everybody said they're excited, and sometimes when you say <laughs> protest too much, I think you kind of yeah. I think they're they're excited to play football. As far as Old Dominion goes, I think they know that they're going to be more talented i mean steven williams was a freshman last year he really struggled 8 of 26 85 yards interception he's got another year of experience under his belt um and they got the home crowd but i think it's going to be a lot of virginia tech fans um you know maybe they're in the game a little longer i i just don't get a sense that the talent levels uh you know the they're so the disparities there and so if virginia tech doesn't sort of 
um, totally lose focus, uh, I just think they're going to be fine. You know, and I think that's kind of the sense. They're confident, but they're not cocky, and that's kind of you know that's their one and one you know mantra. Uh, I don't think they'll overlook it. And this is a young team, so you got that sort of angle where. Look, I mean, this is a lot of these guys only third career start or third appearance. So um, this isn't like a veteran team that's sort of laughing off a game. This is sort of another way to get better before you kind of get into the bulk of the ACC schedule. Yeah, definitely some younger players, I'm sure, are licking their chops here looking at this game. You mentioned Ricky Walker briefly earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, he was banged up the first two yeah. weeks. Uh, how's he doing health-wise? Well, and this is his area. This He's from the, the 757, so he's excited. And that was kind of, I guess, the big, you know, uh, plus for them. Ricky Walker was a guy that would have had to make a tough decision, I think, on Saturday had they played that East Carolina game. He didn't have to. He uh, sprained his right foot, and he had banged his head the, the game before and hurt his other foot. Um, so, but he's healthy the week off. I mean, I don't think he practiced much that last week, and, but he was on the practice field Sunday. Uh, Bud Foster, defensive coordinator, said he looked good. Um, so he's going to be healthy, and I think you want to – I think that's probably the most exciting part. A couple of these guys, Chris Cunningham was banged up, and uh, somebody else – oh, Christian Darisau, um, uh, starting left tackle. So I think some of those guys were able to kind of get healthy um, only two weeks into the season, but they had some Knicks, uh, Knicks and bumps. Uh, and they'll be ready to go uh, in theory Saturday. Is there any player you're looking forward to watching on Tech's team just to see how they do this week? Uh, you know, I'm interested to see kind of what the running back situation is, just kind of continuing to evolve here. Steven Peoples had a big game against this team last year when he carried 13 times for 62 and he had 70 yards receiving. That's probably a career high for him still. Um, interested to see if McLeese can bounce back. He had that fumble and missed, set out, you know, a quarter and a half against William & Mary. Uh, and Wheatley seems to be developing a larger role. Just kind of interested to see how that run game keeps developing because I think that's kind of the, the big unknown. Um, can they be consistent um, throughout the year? Yeah, that, the Wheatley thing is interesting, and we didn't really touch too much on it in the past, but I got some questions in the preseason from people saying, you know, what's up with Terry's Wheatley? I mean, we haven't – you know, he's supposed to be this really good recruit, and yeah, he yeah. never seems to be mentioned when, when we're talking about these these running backs. And I just I didn't know what to tell him. I was like, well, you know, it's, they're not. He's not the one they mention most of the time when they talk about it. They talk yeah. about Peoples. They talk about McLeese, and I talk about Coleman Fox. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, certainly Wheatley looked like he, you know, he has some speed and he had some uh, potential to help this team. Yeah, athleticism, uh, really good at kind of making people miss. It looks like. I mean, he's he only has nine carries, but he has eighty yards, um, limited opportunities, but he's made the most of it. And I think you can kind of see his his role grow especially you know uh mcleese makes a mistake and they send him out and you you know wheatley showed last week he can handle it and those are things the coaching staff's looking for holston's kind of been the guy that's fallen back a little bit um so wheatley's kind of solidified himself as like the third back um and it's interesting you know if he he seems like he could break one of those big runs and if he does that you know uh i think you're going to only see him get more and more carries as the year go years year goes on well, I'll be on my typical Fox watch this week, Fox Hunt. He did not play. He did not. That yeah, was surprising. Uh, I thought they'd season. give him a couple uh, <laughs> snaps. But uh, he played on special teams, I think, but nothing on offense, um, uh, which was tough. So final prediction for the uh, this one. 42-7. So you think they score a touchdown <laughs> this year? Yeah. We'll go. So what is it, Lions 28? They'll 28. cover. Uh Forty nine thirteen. Sounds like a football score. 
It does. Don't you have to? That's my biggest thing with doing predictions, just trying to make up the math work. Because like oh, you yeah. don't want to do like where you have to score three safeties to make that score work. <laughs> I always try to do it with touchdowns and field goals. Well, so. Robert Anderson, our high school sports editor, does a prediction column every week for all the all the prep games, and he always has some weird scores in there. But his point is, hey, people miss extra points, and, and you know, six comes out a lot. Yeah, yeah. A losing team, he rarely has a shutout predicted, uh, but. You know, in, in college, you pretty much – those sevens and threes are, are where you want to be if you're on the grid game. That's yeah, that's what I kind of look at. Uh, I never try to do it. Like, I think there's going to be three safeties in this game or two safeties, <laughs> a missed extra point, two extra – a two-point conversion. And this game, you know, it's like we saw – Tech really tries – is going to try to continue in these games if they're blowouts um, to get the young guys in. And so I don't think when you say they're going to score a touchdown or two or a couple field goals – you're quite, it's ne- not necessarily against the first team defense, uh, and you know, I, I think a shutout would ent- easily be possible if they are playing their first team defense the entire game. I just don't think that's going to happen. There's no desire to do that. They want all those guys to get in, so that's sort of why I, I don't see them shutting it out like they did last year, where there wasn't that need to kind of get some of those second, you know, as early as you uh, you as you're looking to this year. I mean, Dax Hollyfield played. Uh, Bud Foster said. Uh, 38 snaps last, not last week, two weeks ago. Um, and so I think they're going to try to do that again. If they can get those guys in and get them a full half or, you know, even a quarter and a half, they're going to do that. And there's going to be some mistakes. Um, but I don't, it's not going to – I mean, the gamblers will probably be safe. Gamblers are probably be, are the most upset about that, right? Right. Yeah, that, that it does get a little crazy. That's why I would never touch a game like this from a gambling perspective. I will be interested to see if this offensive line can bully those guys like they yeah. did against William & Mary. I thought that was very encouraging. We talked about it last week on a podcast that hasn't run yet because we, we didn't play it because – the game wasn't being played, but right. but that was what my column was after William and Mary. You know, after a year of not doing that um, against the the non conference weaklings, they did it against William and Mary. Can they do it again uh, in the first half? You know, presumably it gets out of hand, then it doesn't matter. But uh, if they can if they can run the ball well in the first half and just kind of create giant holes, I think that'd be a, a good sign for the future. Yeah, and they rotated a lot of guys up front, even in the first half. Uh, uh, Zechariah Hoyt had a couple snap problems. I wrote about that this morning. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's back at center starting. Um, they could go with Chung, Kyle Chung, um, or they could um, uh, you know, have Hoyt back there. Um, and Darsau had been hurt, uh, but I think he'll be healthy enough. So who starts will be interesting. I don't think they'll make any announcements until they kind of take the field. Um, but like I said, all the units, uh, both first and second team, uh, really dominated up front. So that's encouraging. Not only that you did it with the starters, but that the, they were rotating guys in. They rotated like eight guys in against the first team defense, William and & Mary, and still there was no drop-off. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to our pick three, shall we? Should we shall. All right, you go first. I've been watching the show on the BBC called Bodyguard. Okay. Uh, very good. Uh, Jed Mercuro, I don't know how to say his name. He's the creator of it. He does a, a, a show uh, called Line of Duty that's on Hulu uh, that you can stream, and it's about um, uh, internal investigations by police that's very, very, very good and intense. And Bodyguard is a new show he's doing about uh, a uh, war veteran that uh, is defending one of the higher-ups in the British government, and it's very uh, twisty and very good and very well-made, and it's very uh, – there's a lot of forward momentum, no sort of dull moments, so I've been enjoying that. And it's Hulu, you said? Uh, the, his old show's on Hulu. Uh, this one's on the BBC. I think it's going to be on oh, Netflix okay. later this year. Okay, good. My first one is Simplicity. Uh, have you heard of the book uh, 
the life-changing magic of tidying up it's it was a bestseller people it's not new um i read that a few years ago and i liked it it was uh you know by a japanese woman about basically how to how to get rid of stuff i think i've heard of that get rid of stuff i recommend it um but ever since i read that i kind of been on a little bit of a simplicity binge but Mm. every book i pick up on simplicity is written by a woman who has 100 pairs of shoes you know it's like (laughs) get rid of all you know all but 12 pairs of your shoes i'm like this doesn't help me at all i have one pair of shoes you know um but i finally found some of the best material on simplicity and people who are familiar with the classics will have known this all along but it's uh henry david thoreau's Mm. walden chapter 12 on the audio book where he talks about simplicity is beautiful and gorgeous and uh it's what i've been looking for all my life so if anybody else has any more modern books on simplicity that they like uh i'm you know shoot, shoot me an email let me know or send me a tweet or something uh, i'd love to keep forging ahead in this area well you're gonna make me look like a dumb dumb because my book that i was gonna recommend this week was uh <laughs> a mystery i think it's called lethal white it's uh robert galbraith which is jk rawlings uh synonym or uh pseudonym uh she does mystery these mystery books uh and it's the fourth one in the series uh they're very good uh they're uh very she does world building the very dense uh characters uh and uh, it's just enjoyable i read about 40 pages came out yesterday uh i do not read the classics i will settle for the thrillers and sort of pulp uh but uh that's what uh, that's it's a way to get away from sort of everything and and kind of not think about anything for a couple minutes absolutely there's nothing wrong with that at all all right well my second one sort of in a whole escapism idea is the return of american horror story yes. oh you're big, that? Okay. big fan of that franchise i did not like the roanoke one i thought it was lame that it was actually you know obviously yeah, yeah. Roanoke, north carolina not here but uh I have not watched an episode yet, but I see there's two new ones. Uh, it's a, this this season is uh, regarding a nuclear holocaust. Well, I think um, it's a it's a sequel to a couple of the old previous seasons. As well, well, they're all interconnected, and that's yeah, the but this one's more interconnected. It's okay. more from the first and third well, seasons. I've, I've or watched like all of them, so uh, then you'll you'll really like it. And I highly recommend um, uh, Asylum. That's mm. my favorite season. It's it's pretty sick, but it's pretty awesome. And <laughs> and while I'm on this uh, Halloween tilt here. Or Halloween bent. Let me do my annual recommendation for the best Halloween movie ever made. Trick or treat. <laughs> do it. I've Trick or treat. Okay. Um, this is not my third one because I got a third one. Okay. Trick or treat. This is a bonus. I've, I've done it every year on the podcast. I'm telling you, it sounds stupid. It sounds corny. And there is some corniness to it. But it is the best horror movie for is Halloween. Is this a recent one? Uh, a couple of years ago, okay. uh, I watch it every year, once a year. Uh, it's clever. Uh, the writing is excellent. The cinematography is great. Uh, the story is good. Um, and there's like three interconnected woven tales together. And mm. it's just uh, a, a fun, fun Halloween. It's not for the kids. Uh, get your wife, if she's into horror movies, or your husband, and, and sit down on a Friday night and watch it. It's, uh, it's good stuff for Halloween. Uh, my third one is going to be affordable movers in the area of uh, the, the uh, I think Christianburg, Blacksburg. I don't know if they're in Roanoke, uh, but they helped us unload a truck uh, in the rain on uh, Friday, I think it was, and uh, were very helpful. Uh, didn't charge us extra, even though they went over because of the, the weather. They took some breaks because they didn't want all our stuff wet. Uh, we're very 
uh, pleasant to deal with and um, helped out. We had some issues with our storage units and had and had some issues kind of where to put some things and they were just very helpful and helped a stressful process uh, and, and didn't add to it, but uh, were very nice. So I'd recommend them, look them up, uh, U-Haul, you know, when you look up for movers in the area, they come up and so uh, they were good. So it was U-Haul? Like, you, or like you know, if you go to U-Haul, you can do search for movers in your area uh, and you just type in the zip code and yeah. then like it lists all the ones. So that's how I found them. But affordable movers. Okay. Um, so it's so not yeah. You could just okay. find them I've up if you could. thoughts on U-Haul. Uh, no, 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 not U-Haul. So. Uh, <laughs> just an easy way to find the movers yeah, if you're good. looking for them. They're, they're contact information. No, it's so. always good when a business uh, goes above and beyond. Helps yes. You out like that. That's great. Uh, my third one will be rubber band banks. Uh, I mentioned I was in Cherokee last week. The final total was plus $847. Uh, <laughs> my total expenses, including gas to get down there and a couple's massage with the wife, which was amazing. I highly recommend doing that if you've never done that, <laughs> especially if you're doing it at Cherokee. Uh, those expenses totaled something in the neighborhood of 640 So I cleared about 200 And as I told you off air, the best part of the trip was that I rolled the, I rolled the dice masterfully on the first night we were there. We were there three nights, and so the rest of the trip, every time I, you know, saw another craps player, they're like, "Hey, you're that guy," and I was like a mini celebrity for having been such a quality roller and winning so many people so much money. So, uh, a good trip, never a bad trip there, even if you spend some money. I don't say <laughs> lose, I say spend because it's spending on entertainment for me. But uh, it was nice to come home with some rubber band banks. Yeah, I mean, you picked the perfect week uh, to escape for a few days. You did not, you literally missed nothing. So, uh, well, hopefully this week there's a game on Saturday and we can get back to talking uh, to some football. We mentioned the podcast. Yeah, it got outdated. We had to tape it early and then the game was canceled. I'm going to try to carve out the portion where we talked about William and Mary, some of the standout things we thought, and put that at the end of this episode. Uh, so there will be like a bonus sort of half episode, episode of 20 minutes of football talk. Uh, but we didn't want to be talking about like, because we talked about like, what did you, what were, was impressive us East Carolina's win over North Carolina? That became. Uh, old news fast so i uh, didn't want to have to have you hear that so but we'll try to uh, preserve some of that uh, at the end of this episode so stay tuned <laughs> exciting good, good luck with that uh, when you're <laughs> editing that I, i'm curious to see what actually survives <laughs> we'll, the try. we'll try we'll try all right well that'll do it for this week we'll get together again next week and break it all down and look ahead to the duke game uh next or two saturdays from now for mike nizolik this is aaron mcfarling thank you for joining us this game is very fresh in our minds. Uh, 62-17 is the final. Hokies beat William and Mary. Mike, your initial impressions of the of the victory today? Uh, yeah, Virginia Tech looked pretty good. Uh, some numbers: 586 yards of total offense, 30, 34 rushing yards allowed on 29 carries for a stout 1.2 yards per carry. Uh, Virginia Tech had seven rushing touchdowns. All three quarterbacks scored a rushing touchdown. Uh, I think I just think when you read those, and I mean, it kind of tells the story. Uh, uh, they killed them. <laughs> People were wondering whether Tech would look lethargic in this game, but I think it's you who look a little lethargic after this cranking out all those stories. That's right. <laughs> Your reading of the stats was uh, was not as uh, enthusiastic. Well, I'm reading as them you off the computer. Are. I'm trying to get okay. the good ones. Trying okay. to get the good ones. Let me but. just say also, we're at your hotel room here. That's at right. Holiday I've been Inn. at this is my this has been my home away from home. 
but real home, I guess, for a month. And over it has a, month. a glorious view of the Texas Roadhouse. Yes, you are very excited. Right next door, yes. which I think we will be patronizing here after this. Um, you mentioned yards per carry for William and Mary. I thought the biggest thing that I took away from this was the yards per carry that Virginia Tech got. Yeah, six point six overall, six point two in the first half when they were uh, they had, both teams had all their starters in. Uh, compare that to what they did against the last year's FCS foe, Delaware, 2.9 a carry. And Fuente, I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, we got pushed around in that game. He yeah. said we were very very displeased, and that turned out to be a season-long struggle for them, running the ball effectively. Uh, I know it's hard to read too much into uh, you know, statistics when they come against uh, inferior teams, but uh, just a comparison between that and Delaware, and I know you weren't at Delaware but because you weren't on the beat at that time, but – uh, your thoughts on the running game tonight? Well, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I think you could kind of look at it, and they didn't punt, and what, they had 12, 12 drives or 11 drives. I mean, they had one turnover, but um, they controlled the line of scrimmage, really, and the offensive line did it. Uh, I, I have an article about this on uh, Roanoke.com uh, for people who can look back on that when they uh, – it's fresh in my mind because I just posted it, but you'll be looking back. Uh, they played like eight to nine offensive linemen tonight uh, or today. And um, some of it was kind of, you know, uh, one was an injury, uh, Darso went down, but the other stuff was just they wanted to kind of establish depth. And no matter what lineup they went with, uh, Chung played three positions, uh, which is impressive, in one quarter. Uh, but it didn't matter. They still controlled it. So you can kind of tell that they had consistency no matter what lineup, no matter what running back, no matter what offensive line uh, they had in. And obviously, like you said, you discount the achievement for just the competition, but that's something you can build on and that's what Fuente talked about after the game that look wasn't perfect but we're going to build on this and there's a lot of things that we could build on and that was one of them yeah we actually had four uh people from the Roanoke Times here covering in addition to a photographer we had yes. five people here uh Mark Berman was here Tommy Hamzik our our our, uh, our video and and online maestro Berman we had the luxury of Berman going down into the William and Mary locker room mm-hmm. or into the interview area there getting some quotes from Nate Atkins a local guy you know played at Hidden Valley a linebacker starting linebacker and basically I'm paraphrasing here but I have the full quotes in my column but he said basically they wore us down you know and that's yeah. that's to be understood that's kind of par for the course in these kinds of matchups that's what you expect uh, they run you sideline to sideline and by the end of the game you're worn out um that's what Tech needed to do. They needed to wear somebody out in this game. And I think the emotions were there. Uh, you know, you saw the special teams when they kicked the ball through the end zone. They'd go down there and run and, and you know, cheer with the students. And certainly uh, one thing I think we should t- touch on is the fumbling. You know, there were some fumbles early. Uh, Fuente clearly not happy about that. Yeah. Also, the players not happy about that. It's a bit because you know, the players were asked, how does Fuente react to that? And they're, they're like, well, we know how he's going to react, and we react the same way. Well, it was interesting. Deshaun McLeese had the first fumble, uh, thought he was down. Play was upheld on review. Uh, he didn't play again until the second quarter. He sat out the rest of the first quarter. And you look at it, uh, Terrace Wheatley uh, is playing well. Uh, he got a couple carries in the uh, opener against Florida State. But they obviously like him. He's jumped up the depth chart ahead of Jalen Holston. And so when you kind of think about McLeese losing an opportunity here against a team where I had him as a guy to watch, and I guess he was because he fumbled, and so you kind of watched him on the bench. Um, it took a step back, I think. Just with Wheatley, uh, they, they, you know, they know what they can get out of Stephen Peoples. They really like him. But Wheatley seems to be in position to kind of, uh, I think, make a dent in that, uh, that backfield, especially with McLeese putting the ball on the ground. And that was kind of the start they didn't want. Luckily, the defense – 
wipe that away right away. But at the same time, you can kind of see that uh, Fuente not worried about going to that, those other guys, uh, the backups, and we'll do that uh, if you make a mistake like that. Uh, Hinden Hooker, you know, he, he takes the ball 69 yards down the left sideline. I guess it was a read option play that yeah. he ran. I wonder, you know, could he find himself getting in certain packages later this season? And, you know, that, that burst he showed down the sideline was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was, you know, we uh, touched on it. The, all three quarterbacks play played. Hooker didn't attempt a pass, but Ryan Willis looked good. He was 4-7 for 64 yards and a nice long throw to uh, Damon Hazleton. Um, a hooker, you know, it's interesting. The, you know, they want to get him some playing time because he's a guy that has to sit right now with Josh Jackson firmly entrenched as a starter. And with those guys, you know, I, I, they start to – quarterbacks especially start to get antsy. And so you want to kind of make him feel part of the team. Um, you know, you got some opponent, lesser opponents here. Uh, I think they got a lot of throw a couple of times to make him happy. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll get a package just because Josh – uh, it's so you know you don't want to take away the momentum of the offense, and I think when you get in a rhythm, I think you want to keep going with your your, your the guy that's going to take you to the to the playoffs if you're going to go get there, and that's Josh Jackson. One interesting thing I asked about in the post game with Fuente was, did they consider playing Quincy Patterson here? Right. This is the sort of opportunity we talked about this in the podcast last week, and he said they did consider it that if. Um, William and Mary didn't have that ridiculous 17 uh, play, 10 minute drive. There probably was going to be an opportunity. Shows you with that red shirt rule that they're they are thinking outside the box and doing some different things. Uh, so, but H Hooker benefited because that was the drive, the next drive that he got that uh, big run. So interesting with kind of how the quarterback room. It's very competitive room, obviously, with all three guys playing well and Patterson on possibility in those games, just because he can play four without using a red shirt. You know something else I noticed in this game. Stephen Peoples showing a little bit of wiggle out there. You yeah. know, we think of him as just a truck, a bowling ball. That's the that's the term they always use, the bowling ball. But he actually had some spin on him. You know, like he yeah. was he was making some moves in the open field, and there was a lot of room to run, as we just talked about earlier, with the offensive line opening some big holes. But I think it's an encouraging sign that Stephen Peoples he ran for two touchdowns. You know, I mean he can he can move a little bit in space if he's got it. Well, he had the, the one catch to the outside that I think went for 21 yards, and yeah. that was a surprising just kind of on the outside. You didn't think of it. But, but but with going to the bench with McLeese, they went to Peoples for that, that, that stretch and didn't change the offense, went outside and inside with them. And he had a little bit to prove because he kind of struggled against Florida State, didn't really run in the interior. And these are the kind of games where he kind of he wants to wear the defense down. He only had six carries, but he had 55 yards. So a short day but an effective one. Uh, and it just shows you that they feel like they have some depth there, confident people's confident and Wheatley. Uh, and, you know, they, they're going to need tougher yardage here coming up. Uh, yeah. And I think that, that people's is a guy where you're going to look at when they can show things on film, like him getting to the outside, that's going to make, you know, not going to be able to put eight men in a box against them or seven men in a box. So uh, that's a good thing to have on film to kind of show him do some other things. Yeah, definitely. He was one of five tech players today who ran for more yards than a leading rusher against Delaware, which was Jalen Holston with 32 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, again, going back to that, trying to make a sort of an apples-to-apples -apples comparison with an FCS opponent. Uh, and, you know, ECU, who they have on deck, uh, Tech has on deck, they allowed 5.9 yards per carry last year. That was second worst in the nation. Yeah. Uh, and Tech ran for 4.6 against them. Well, so. you mentioned that. We could talk about that. Uh, that is final. <laughs> the, the East Carolina, who was upset last week, won 41-19 to over North Carolina. Larry Fedora, man. And uh, ran for uh, 220 yards and four touchdowns. 
uh, had carried the ball 49 times, so obviously in control there. Uh, you know, that's an, that East Carolina team you thought after that first week, oh, maybe they're they're really down, but that, that's going to be a big momentum win there uh, over an ACC opponent. I'm happy about that because I want to see a better, you know, I don't want to see another 62-17. I mean, right. I, I'm sure Tech fans would sign up for that right now, but this okay. was boring as crap watching this game today, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I mean, you're looking for things to, to note, but you also always have to couch them in, in you know, in caveats. You know, you right, just got to right. say, well, remember, it's William & Mary, remember, and I'm not trying to dump on William & Mary. I mean, they did what they could with what they've got. Yeah.